Thanks. Thanks. Well, morning, everyone. Great to see you. Um, Thank you. So uh, we are finishing off today our series, Prayers of the Saints. Now, this is not a series about the fortunes of Southampton Football Club. Uh, It really isn't. Um, Now, Google tells me they are 10th in the championship just ahead of Bristol City. So maybe they should just adopt a little bit of prayer. Um, There's a few amazed faces around because this might be the first ever time you've heard me mention football. (laughs) What's, What's he doing? You know, anyway, took a lot of Googling to get there. (laughs) Now, we are thinking about the prayers of God's people throughout the Bible. We've looked at prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of worship. We've looked at prayers of intercession. We've looked at prayers of confession. But I've got a a question for us today, uh, and that's this. And it's going to sound perhaps a little bit irreverent. Does prayer work? Does prayer work? You know, for people who are exploring faith and, and they're wondering, you know, who God is, what is God like? You know, that's a, that's a question that many people are asking. Maybe that's you here this morning. You find yourself sitting here in a church service. Maybe you're, you're watching online and you're thinking to yourself, is this all real? What's going on here? Does this work? Does this work? And actually, for, for others of us, we might have been following Jesus for, for many, many years. We might have listened to about 25 different preaching series on, on prayer. But actually, sometimes we might just have that nagging feeling. You know, um, is prayer all it's cracked up to be? You know, is there, is there something about prayer that's consistent with, uh, the, with all that we say about it? So a little survey to to kick us off, very scientific survey here, it's a show of hands. So how many people here have experienced praying about something and then that prayer has been answered? How many people? Great. I'm not going to ask you to share anything, don't worry. Um, Now also, how, how many people here have been praying about something for a really long time and yet you don't feel like there's been an answer to that prayer? Yeah, lots and lots of hands. My hands went up both times, and lots of you did too, because I think that is, it seems to me that that is people's experience of prayer, that actually it's a mixture of, of both of those things. Some prayers just seem to get answered really, really quickly, and then others kind of, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's actually it's wonderful when those prayers are answered really quickly, but, but then some prayers we pray for, for weeks and months and years, maybe even decades, and, and day after day we're thinking, You know, are my prayers actually making a difference? Is God taking any notice of me? God, are you there in this situation? And there perhaps are times in our lives when we're we're crying out to God for breakthrough in something that it might be that there's people here that are in the middle of something a bit like that right now. It might be a debilitating illness that, that you or someone you care about has. It might be that you feel really trapped in a particular job situation that is really pressing in on you. It might be a longing to start a family. It might be a challenging son or daughter, and you you just wonder, when is this season going to end, and how on earth do I parent well during through this this season? It might be that you are suffering from some kind of discrimination for for some reason. It might be that you've suffered from a, a broken relationship, or you're in an unhappy marriage. It might be an issue with your mental health. It might be for you just a heartbreak at the injustices that you see around you in this world and it just seems like nothing's getting better. And and if we're honest, sometimes it's just a bit difficult to keep going, isn't it? I don't know whether you've you've kind of experienced that. There's been kind of waiting and and there's been a bit of struggling in prayer. And there's been a 
quite often, if we're really honest, a bit of disappointment, a bit of like, oh gosh, you know, does prayer really work? And, and should I really carry on? And as we um, open our Bibles, you know, we're going to uh, look at a, a story right at the, at the start of a book called One Samuel in the Old Testament. And, and there we find a, a woman called Hannah. And Hannah's story is, is a little bit like one of those stories, a story of absolute desperation to have a child. And yet, actually, it's just not happening for her. And in ancient Hebrew culture, so when, when this kind of scripture is based, childlessness was, was a big deal. It was deeply stigmatized in that society. And you know, especially for women, actually, children were considered a sign of, of ultimate kind of blessing and ultimate uh, kind of fulfillment. And, and being unable to conceive children was seen as quite a kind of shameful thing. And, and the feelings of inadequacy would have been significant. But on, not only that, for Hannah, we read that kind of she's been constantly taunted by her husband's other wife. Now, we're going to leave the whole other wife thing out of this. There's a whole rabbit hole to go down there. There was another wife. Um, but this other wife had lots of sons and daughters and, and was taunting her sort of time after time. And, and we read that for Hannah, this situation persisted year after year. And we're just going to pick up uh, from 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1, verse uh, 7. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and she would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? A little sidebar for husbands. That's, that's, add to your list of things not to say to your wife, all right? Just, that's not a good way to handle it. Um, once they had finished eating and drinking at Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. And she kept on praying to the Lord and Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying within her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I've been, not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. The picture we get here is, is this, this prayer. It's just not particularly neat and tidy, is it? It's, we get the impression it's the prayer of someone who's just at the end of their rope, that they are, they're in a desperate state. And we read of her great anguish and grief. In her words, I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. For Hannah, this was a, a spilling over, a kind of an overflow of all the emotion, the desperation that she was out of her need and her situation. It's a little bit like a, a baby's first cry, that kind of involuntary kind of cry out of, of, of pain and of prayer. And we see that Hannah's praying here is very real, it's very honest, it's very raw. And wonderfully, as we read on in this passage, we see for, for Hannah a real breakthrough in, in the midst of her disappointment and her heartache, that she, she didn't give up praying. She continued to bring her request to God, and, and, and actually we see breakthrough. She bore a son, uh, Samuel, 
who ended up playing a major role in God's purposes. Now, you might have your own stories like that. I've got a couple of stories like that myself. But actually, how can we make sense of it? There's some prayers we pray straight away and their answer straight away. And then others, we're just praying for years and years and years. Jesus talked lots about prayer. And one of those times was in the middle of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And we're just going to pick that up in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven good, uh, give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, I'm wired as a systems person. I'm, I'm a kind of a process person. Um, you know, I, I like logic. I like a sense of order. Who's, who's with me on this? Yeah? You, you that kind of person? Now, I, I'm, I'm an accountant by training. Um, I don't need your sympathy. I've, I've made my peace with that. It's absolutely fine. But my, my, my natural kind of way is, is actually, gosh, I like, I like predictable results. I like to know that if I, if I just do this thing and I do this thing, then, then that will be what the outcome is. And so these words of Jesus, they're really appealing to me. It's fantastic. One plus one equals two. Actually, gosh, if I just ask, then this will happen. If I just knock, then the door will be opened. But does that much match our experience of prayer? Um, what did our survey say? Sometimes. Sometimes that matches our answer to prayer. It doesn't feel like it works in the consistent predictable pattern that I would love to, uh, to, for it to work in. Is Jesus just exaggerating? Is Jesus kind of over-promising a little bit on God's behalf here? But as is so often the case, what Jesus was saying is so much deeper than the way we can read it on the surface. You know, if we think of these three words, ask, seek, knock, it seems like they're kind of three words saying exactly the same thing. But actually what they do is they represent something of a journey of prayer. It's, it's a journey that starts with need and, and actually leads us to relationship. That, that word ask there, you know, it's, it's referring to the, the particular needs that so often begin our prayers. You know, we, we come to prayer so often asking uh, for something in particular. And that word seek, actually, this, that word seek is used throughout the Bible, but often it's used about seeking God, seeking the, the person of God. And so we've started with, with the asking. And then actually, we, as, we, as we pray more, actually, we're realizing, gosh, um, we focus on the need first of all. But actually, in the journey of asking for that need, we've discovered that what we really need is to seek the person of Jesus, the one whom we're asking. And then that word knock it represents something of the the final destination of prayer. You know, a door being open to someone knocking, it just kind of speaks of, of, of an invitation to come in. It speaks of, of fellowship. It speaks of acceptance. It, it evokes a, an image of being welcomed in to spend time with someone, perhaps even as a, as a dinner guest. And in the ancient Hebrew world, you know, dining with someone around a table was the ultimate in acceptance. It was the ultimate in dignity. Uh, it wasn't just meeting a, a need for sustenance, but it was, 
It was affirmation. It was closeness. It was intimacy. It spoke of relationship. And so it's, actually it's why Jesus, as we read through the Gospels, he got into so much trouble for eating with, with bad people. Um, because, you know, for him, it wasn't just, you know, bumping into people in a queue at McDonald's. It was a, sitting around a table was very meaningful. It was, spoke of his affirmation for them. And so it is on a journey of prayer. Jesus' invitation is so much deeper than just entering into a transaction. It's so much deeper than just kind of a, a get what you ask for, for a vending machine experience of prayer. It is instead, it's an invitation to pull up a chair to a table, to be in relationship with him as we pray. As Tyler Staten says in this fantastic book, we come for the gifts and we get the giver. We come for the gifts and we get the giver. I've tried to choose between two quotes, so I've just put them both up. The point of prayer is not the power it releases, but it's the person it reveals. The point of prayer is not the power it releases, but the person it reveals. Jesus' words are so much more meaningful than we kind of realise on the surface. So actually, as we look at these, these words, um, ask, seek, knock, uh, our English translation isn't quite telling the full story here. Actually, the, the words that were written in the Greek are actually written in the present tense. They don't describe a, a single action, asking once, seeking once. Actually, they, they describe a continuous action. It would be much, much better if our Bibles were translated like this. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. In other words, in response to those that are struggling with a weariness in the waiting, in response to those who are feeling like nothing is happening, uh, in response to, uh, to those where they just kind of feel like, oh, I'm just so disappointed because of what's going on here. Jesus' encouragement is one of persistence. Keep going, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. There's a journey that I want to go on with you that is so much deeper and will be a bigger blessing and achieve a higher purpose than simply an instant answer. And what so many people, part of this church, will tell you if you to ask them is, is that actually there's something about the, uh, the journey, something about the waiting, something about the persevering in prayer. That's when God is working the most. And so if we're asking the question, does prayer work? If we're looking for evidence of God at work as we pray, then we need to recognize that we don't just look for that work in the final outcome. We look for that work in the journey on the way. Persistence in prayer is something that Jesus comes back to time and time again. And as I kind of come into land in a few minutes, you know, there's another encouragement that Jesus brings around persisting in prayer. And it's in Luke chapter 18. It's in just the first eight verses. And this is the parable of the persistent widow. And uh, as Luke tells, this, uh, tells Jesus telling this parable, uh, he starts up front with this phrase. Then, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Um, and so, you know, we just get this punchline right up front. You know, this is what this parable is about. And, and, and Jesus uh, tells this parable, this story of this widow who brings a case to a judge. And, and this judge is described as, as neither fearing God nor caring about people. 
And this widow is looking for justice from this judge. Uh, uh, maybe there's a kind of financial payment uh, that she's uh, in disputing with an adversary. Maybe, um, I don't know. But the unjust judge, you know, I, I wonder, you know, probably waiting for a bit of a bribe, waiting for the widow to kind of you know, to bribe him to, for a result. See, this judge refuses to listen. And this widow, who's far too poor to resort to anything other than than persistence, just carrying on and carrying on asking, uh, she just kind of she just kind of goes for it and pers- persists in in um, in asking this judge. And we read that it's the persistent appeals of the widow that causes the the judge to grant her justice. Now, well, the first time I ever read this parable, it seemed a little bit odd to me. I was thinking, is Jesus saying that God is like the unjust judge? Is, is the parable saying that, that God is like someone who doesn't care about us? But that's not what Jesus is doing at all. The parable is not comparing God to an unjust judge. He's, he's actually saying, drawing out the contrast between the two of them. He's saying that even if an unjust and an ungodly judge, even if that person responds to the persistent pressure and petitioning from someone he doesn't care squat about then how much more will a great and a loving God respond to us a God who who loves the world he created who loves his created a God who loves you and a God who loves me and so the encouragement for us to persist, it comes with a promise. It comes with a promise that we don't pray to a, a reluctant, kind of half-interested, can't-be-bothered judge. But we pray to a father who loves us extravagantly and outrageously more than we can get our heads around. The message that Jesus brings to his listeners, and he brings to us today, 2023, in this moment here, the message he's given to us is this, that we should always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. We should persevere in prayer. We should carry on. We should persist, even though it seems like our prayers are not being answered. Don't lose heart, Jesus says. Now, many of you will have done the prayer course in your small groups. I highly recommend it if you haven't. In that, Pete Gregg, he uses this illustration. He likens persistence and waiting in prayer to to stacking dominoes. A little bit like that, stacking dominoes up. And every prayer is like stacking an additional domino up. And there you are, prayer after prayer, lining them all up and feeling like you're just doing the same thing over and over again. But then, one day, there's an answer a domino topples, and all of those prayers that you pray topple with it. The, the, the accumulation of all those prayers are fulfilled. And it's amazing when that happens. It's amazing when that happens. And I know many people, um, part of this congregation, will have, have their own stories to tell of when that has happened. Uh, Josh, who's part of our congregation here, he is involved in a charity called the George Muller Charitable Trust. George Muller was an incredible man of faith who lived in Bristol in the 19th century, and and he knew what it was to to persist in prayer. And we read about his life, that actually he was someone who was very faithful in prayer. So he would, when he was 39 years old, we read that he started praying for five of his friends to come to faith in Jesus, to to start following Jesus. And after many months, uh, the first person, they they gave their life to Jesus and we read that that 10 years later two more gave their life to Jesus which is fantastic 
Um, it took another 25 years for the fourth person to, uh, to be saved. And George Muller, he prayed then for another, he had like 52 years of prayer for the, the final person. And then finally, we read that just after George Muller's funeral, just after he died at the age of 92, uh, that actually that person came to faith as well. Uh, there's something about persisting in prayer uh, that is powerful. And I know that actually lots of people here, you've been on a, a journey of faith. Actually, there's been ups and downs of that journey. It's maybe felt like a bit of a roller coaster at times. But what I also know is that there, in, in so many cases, there has been a person or people behind the scenes who've been praying for you really, really persistently that God would continue working, that that he who began a good work in you would carry it on to completion. And that's a wonderful thing when we see that persistence in prayer. And so whatever we're praying about, persistence, it might only be needed for a short time. But sometimes we might need to persist for years and years, decades even. But the message of Jesus is really clear. Keep going, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and you will find me. We're going to pray in a minute, but I just want to, just a little aside, I just want to say that we don't want to be dismissive about unanswered prayer, that actually the reality is living with unanswered prayer is a big deal. Um, we could spend like the rest of today and actually the rest of this week talking about unanswered prayer and talking about the ins and outs of that and what that, uh, what that looks like and what that, that means and why we might be living with unanswered prayer. And it could be quite painful for people. I just want to recommend to you, though, um, an excellent book called God on Mute, which looks a little, that's a revised version, it's very good. Um, God on Mute by Pete Gregg. Uh, also, if you're a kind of a watch things on a TV kind of person rather than read a book kind of person, then there's the prayer course part two is on unanswered prayer. And both are incredibly helpful. They're incredibly honest. They're incredibly moving. They're incredibly realistic uh, about, they don't prevent, they don't present glib, easy uh, answers, but they, they really grapple with those painful realities. I'll, I'll post some links to those on our social media platforms. But my encouragement to us, as hard as it is, I, my encouragement is that we keep on, that we keep asking, that we keep seeking, and that we keep knocking. I'm going to invite you to stand with me now, and I'm going to invite the worship team up too, and we're going to just take a moment to pray. And what I would love to do as we go back into worship um, and Anne is going to help us respond uh, this morning uh, in worship. But I just want to pray for two, uh, two groups of people here this morning. Um, I, would, I would just love to pray for you. If, you, if you're someone who actually the, the, the message that you need to hear this morning is, is you just need to hear a kind of a keep going message. That actually there's something about the work of the Holy Spirit this morning that will bring us strength to be able to keep going. Something about the work of the Spirit that will encourage us to persevere, to keep believing, to keep trusting, to keep stacking those dominoes as we think about those things that we're bringing to the Lord. But I think as well as we come to worship that, that what the Lord also wants to do is to meet some people here in the midst of their, the painful reality of prayers not being answered. And so, Lord, we, we turn our eyes towards you now. For those that need to hear that encouragement of Jesus, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on 
knocking. We ask you, Lord, come, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to empower, to strengthen, to give endurance and perseverance. Would you come? pray for those here who actually you're in a painful season just at the minute even just kind of some of the examples we've used this morning some of the things that we've thought about actually they're things that you are struggling with at the moment you're living in the reality of unanswered prayer that might have been going on for a long long time and Holy Spirit thank you that you bring peace that you bring hope you bring a knowledge of a good, good Father who gives good gifts to his children. A God who is working in the waiting and not just in the final outcome. So we turn our faces towards you today. We look again to you, the source of love, the source of hope, the source of life. wall that if you'd appreciate someone today standing with you in prayer about something in particular it might be about an answer prayer it might be about something completely different actually to just encourage you to go and receive a prayer blessing uh, it's not kind of in-depth counseling or advice it's, it's actually just simply standing with you and asking the holy spirit to bless what he is doing in your life to be present for you so I encourage you to do that if, if you've don't fancy getting up out of your seat. Give the person next to you a nudge. We're all, uh, we're all um, yeah, able to pray, all able to be ministers uh, this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.